0: It just means like a lot of rain, very high like winds, and definitely like quite a bit of damage
1: and chaos, which Stop. I kind of like. All right, okay. Hello, and welcome to Zero K, the podcast where we hit the highlights of the Urbit Extended Universe and go deep to interview some of the magnificent weirdos that are building Urbit, the decentralized operating system for the next 500 years. Uh, I'm Poldek Tontag. Shadow minister of taking care of business at the Urban Foundation. I'm joined here by Nobel Peace Prize winner and Spirit Airlines Economy Plus Rewards member Rosalit Tanner. Rosalit, how are you doing today? And and who are you?
0: I'm Rosalit Tanner.
1: Um, I'm doing really
0: well. Yeah, I'm I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: You're riding out the storm in beautiful. We we
0: are we have ridden out the storm. Our street was a sludge puddle. Um, for about 24 hours, but things are things are looking. Have you done up. any
1: looting? Any recreational looting? Just you know, not this time.
0: It was just like a little too chaotic out there.
1: Stealing Instant pot? Just... I don't know what you do. <laughs> you no, know, but it was old, it was actually like kind of an early one. Looter. No, I, I I believe that, and you you live in Oakland too, right? There's just actually, civically... I'm in, I'm
0: like in South Berkeley. I'm one block from from. Oh, like sorry, Oakland. Sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, I was <laughs> yeah. totally different.
0: It is. It's, yeah. Didn't mean too. So, <laughs> okay,
1: so a little different. I know. I know yeah. it's different. I know it's different. Um, you could justify uh, South Berkeley to me uh, at some other point. So we're going to f- hit a few of these highlights, kind of what's been going on in the network. Um, so the first up, I just came back from the Volcano Summit. That was the big news the last few weeks. Um, for those of you that don't know, there was a, a summit that was mostly geared towards contributors and um, people that are building stuff on Urbit invite only on top of volcano in lovely El Salvador, probably the most memed country going right now. I mean, probably, right? Um, why weren't you there, Rosalind?
0: I don't know. At this point, I'm like really jealous. I have reverse uh, FOMO, uh, not reverse FOMO. Um, <laughs> no, like, I have delayed latent FOMO. Delayed FOMO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Retroactive I don't know. FOMO. I, I'm sad. I heard it. I heard it was really, really great. I mean, everyone I've talked to has been like super excited about it. Not only because like great people in a beautiful environment, but also just like a really, really good program. Um yeah. So it sounds like it was yeah. a huge hit. Like, really I, mean,
1: good. I, I think so. It's funny that there's like the I saw a few, uh, a few. It's it's interesting because you were I was there, and then you see people talking about it on social media. And, you know, it's sort of like one thing was like, there's no girls, which is like, it's like you can say that about all urban events, you know. Um, but, yeah, but this know. one was except, especially except you, like,
0: especially no girl, except,
1: right? I don't think there, there actually girls. were no girls,
0: I think, this time. No,
1: no, but. No, 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 no. There were three girls. I want to shout them out right now, okay? Because this is how committed I am to International Women's Day. And we celebrated International <laughs> Women's Day there, nice. you know? So, like, that's something. Um, <laughs> let's see. So, uh, let's see. Sizzle. Who uh, works for Gigacorp. So she's involved in funding crypto projects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, Joie, who is a developer who works on the Quorum team. Quorum, look out for Quorum, everybody! It's kind of like a Stack Overflow type deal, uh, integrated with groups. They're integrating it right now, so that's good. Um, and then there's woman woman whose name I did not get, but she she came to ETH Denver. The urban vibes were so strong that she bought a ticket to come to El Salvador. That so was like, like her
0: first interaction with Urbit. Was a that was death. her first interaction?
1: So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. That's that's got to be worth something. So had, yes, few women, yeah. but all of them godlike. You know. So that's uh <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, but it was good. But and, and then the, the big thing that was interesting about this, as opposed to like you know assembly, we've had these things before, um, and they're always a great time. What was interesting here is like going into it, there was a little bit, I, don't, I, I hesitate to call it drama, drums, but it was kind of like drums on, on, there's a debate. About was a debate. what? There was, was a discourse happening uh, on the social medias. And it was like, basically th- that's just Tip Rel, uh an engineer who I have an interview with coming up in a future episode, uh, who works for Ukbar, great guy, man after my own heart, um, tried to, tried to, uh, Explained to me that the earth was expanding, the expanding earth theory. I'm like, bro, I've I know about are you kidding? I invented expanding earth. Duh. Um duh like duh. Um, but uh, but he he was he's sort of like a web one, you know, he's pro web one. He's mm-hmm. like web one had some great stuff about it, blah, blah blah. And we should be like looking back at kind of what was good about web one when we're talking about building stuff for Urbit. Which is also hilarious because he's like 23 years old. <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> I was there. Yeah. Um, which is great to see. But anyway, so that was kind of his point, right? And then you have the people that are kind of like more on the Holium side, on the Tlon side, on the on the. I, I think that's kind of sums it up. But a lot of people who are kind of more like, let's actually focus on replacing all these utilities from Web2. You know, because that's sort of like an easier entry point as opposed to like, you know, hey, welcome to Urbit. It's, you know, 1997, Uh, which sounds cool to me, but some people might not, you know, vibe with as much. So that was kind of like the the debate a little bit and going back and forth on Twitter. But it was interesting because like that whole dynamic, I think was really fruitful, you know, and really kind of like you saw that at at the summit, you know, so everyone's bros and everyone just talks, you know, but it was like, interesting because I mean the the real thing that I think is interesting is that people are discussing what the best like what the best way to use Urbit should be and like I like that it's expanding the scope about like what that can be and Mm -hmm. not just not pretending like it's obvious for lack of a better term right it's just Mm like we don't know like let's just try a whole bunch of stuff and and iterate which I like that energy
0: I mean I think like you know you and I have been around Urbit for some years now and um It's really, I mean, honestly, it is like very refreshing to see like the conversation expanding beyond sort of, you know, you've always had sort of like factions, but the, but they were like, you know, entrenched in, um, maybe like two particular ideologies. And I feel like things are really opening up and like becoming much more interesting. I mean, for it to work, you need like all types of ideas, all types of people. So it's, it's good to see it's.
1: It, it's a sign of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's really good to I mean, it's so funny because you get that thing where it's like, oh, on the one hand, people think, oh, you should present a united front. But on the other hand, it's good for it to be a little messy, you know, because like people are excited and they, they have, they're bought in, mm-hmm. you know, be so like arguing about, you know some things are technical some things are you more ux design but it's just cool to see because it means people are invested and that's like the thing that i think is really just the most important i
0: think too like there's always going to be some like element of like (laughs) slightly um irate discourse um people are just like so emotional and passionate about it um yeah and so that's always going to happen it would be like sad and depressing if it was like people didn't feel strongly about it
1: a hundred percent it's also very it's like urbit lindy to just have shouting matches about of obscure topics of course right? it's like <laughs> we've all been there i mean i'm not sure if you ever saw some of the like yeah you probably saw some showdowns in the twon ar- office but there's just been you know it's an amazing i mean it's, when it's i first joined
0: i was like okay you know non-technical very little understanding of like what all was going on you know like under the hood but I did know that the engineers spent most of the day shouting at each other in the (laughs) office kitchen (laughs) yes so I knew there was something
1: there there's something that's the how the magic happened it really (laughs) is it's 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 honestly true true. it's true yeah those are the good old days yes I mean it was in El Salvador which is my first time Mm -hmm. um and El Salvador's is like you know the way I was trying to explain it is it's kind of like someone put a volcano in the middle of San Diego. Like that's what it looks like. Yeah. It's really just like the 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 climate is very much like Southern California mm. along the coast. So it's kind of interesting. You know, you're just like there, you're like, you know, you feel like you just got in a circle, kind of. But it was like super easy to get there. Is it
0: like dry or is it tropical y?
1: drier than i thought it was oh, gonna be so i think it's like in the dry season i mean not like dry yeah, dry, yeah. you know but the like it wasn't like ju- i was i was honestly like <laughs> i kind of thought it was like, like ju- yeah the zip off pants and like yeah, a safari a, hat you know that's mosquito what I done.
0: netting but yeah that's exactly that's what the, i always thought the hat,
1: the hat with the mosquito net <laughs> but that was not uh, apparently not necessary so when i was wearing it people were like what do you do?" no um <laughs> but like, honestly it, i no, would it believe was it. Really, with your overalls Oh, for sure. Dude, I, I, I came equipped. I just want you to know. I was wearing rayon. I I had, I had, uh, I think I told you I had pink eyes. So I also had like blood red, blood red eyes. So I was like walking around El Salvador, just like with blood red eyes. (laughs) Wearing all rayon. But so I blended right in. Um, But El Salvador is great. I mean, great. Just like so, so, um, accessible. Like it took me like, I flew from Dallas and I think it took, the whole thing took me from Kansas city it took me like maybe four hours to get there. Oh wow. I mean like not like, really, that's not, that Thanks. can't be true, but more like five hours maybe, but it was like really just not that, not that bad at all. Um, and it, I mean, it was interesting cause like, you know, as soon as I got off the plane, people were like talking about how great Naib Bukele is. It's just like, it's for real that this man is, is, is the talk of the town mm-hmm. because it's like El Salvador is basically one town, you know, <laughs> sort of, it's like just this like little tiny vibe. Um, you know, the first thing they say is like pupusas I was like, yeah, Exactly. I had, a, yeah. I had a pupusa before. Thank you very much. Um and I tweeted at Naib Bukele. I was like, what is the traditional El Salvador music? He's yet to get back to me. So if you're listening to this Naib, like get at me. Still waiting. I was trying to like like pump El Salvadoran culture, but it was kind of like pupusas. <laughs> I was like, okay, Bitcoin. Paying for pupusas with Bitcoin, though, it's like it's not it's not bad. No.
0: It's, not a bad thing. it's I mean yeah. it's it's unique.
1: It is unique. It's its it own thing. And, and it's like, it is, it's funny because like for what it, like, you know, there, there's certain amounts of it where you're like, oh, this is, it's kind of like being in LA in a lot of, in like a lot of ways, actually, because a lot of, there's a lot of El Salvador's in LA. So mm-hmm. it's like, like I'm in El Sereno. Like I used to live here basically. Mm-hmm. Um, But also, but the thing that's really interesting about it is like, there's definitely that feeling where like things are changing. Get I me mean? like everyone's like so stoked. That there were tourists, mm-hmm. that there were foreigners coming in, that they felt safe. And it was like, it was very safe.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask as, like, about that. No, you didn't ever have any, like, you know, I nothing think
1: nothing even close. Almost everywhere to being, in the
0: world gets such a bad rap around safety. Like, yeah. scared Well, America I mean, this was like,
1: <laughs> I think they like legit was, you know, oh, yeah. legit was scary. For real. But, but I mean, now, I mean, I was talking to a taxi driver who said, like, when he grew up, they didn't go outside in San Salvador. After like eight PM,
2: like he had never gone outside,
1: which is just an insane thing. And he's now he's just like, and you think about all this stuff. It's like restaurants can stay open, Mm -hmm. like all this stuff. And so I don't know. It was cool. It was like special in that way because it's like we were doing this thing, futuristic, urban, blah blah blah, whatever. And they were also like, oh, it's like you see all these people that for the first time see that they can change their life, you know, in Mm -hmm. some basic way, which is really inspiring. It's like, I, I wish I felt that about the United States of America, right? But you go there really like, oh my God, yeah. that's so cool that you could do that. I don't exactly feel that way about, it'll about be, the United yeah, States. Yeah,
0: no, that's we're on the other side of that. Yeah,
1: um, exactly. Everything's been changed. Yeah.
0: But like, um, it'll be interesting to see like how the economy continues to grow and like how people's quality of life improves and if it's like a steady like – trajectory or if it's, hopefully it's not one of those sort of like short lived, you know, it's hot yeah. for a minute, but it doesn't yeah. really seem like it. It seems like it's really attracting a lot of like a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Like a lot of the Urbit bros live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a decent Urbit bro, uh, presence in, and my, they in my mind, the
0: all the Urbit guys live like in a tree house together.
1: Basically they live in like a, the equivalent of like a Hollywood Hills style house. Really? It's really awesome. Actually wow. it's, it's, it's very nice. Um, and but also it's one of those things where it's kind of like they don't really seem to have developed like that much of an anti-foreigner sentiment. You know what mm-hmm. you do see in other – like when you go – like if you go – I'm like, hey, I'm going to go move to Mexico City and like – Trash the open place. Open a pour over coffee <laughs> right. place. It's just like, yeah. you know, there's going to be some pushback, you know. But they don't really have any – opinions one way or the other so it's sort of interesting to see like how and like a lot of the urbic guys and the aleph dao people like nil run and and all and Robness, of course have made a lot of inroads there um and um you know we've got uh, connections to, so it, within the business community and stuff mm-hmm. so it's, it's really cool so it's like the people who live there are like legit putting down at least commercial roots, um which is which is really cool to see okay so second item here we do have the Urban Foundation, as I'm sure you know, um, Rosalit Tanner, does have several opportunities to learn Hoon or, you know, yes. the, the stack in general. So we have Hoon School Live and we have a new uh, school starting up called App Workshop Live. So, Rosalit, I think you'd mentioned that you are a Hoon School dropout, as am I. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, okay. I failed Ooh. out. <laughs> we were mm-hmm. ejected. But that has nothing to do with I, – I just – I just I also failed, um, but I, I've I've been writing Hoon since like several versions of Hoon's, Hoon ago, so I mm-hmm. I feel like I could just rest on my laurels, which is kind yeah. of what I'm all about. You don't have to prove um, yourself. I don't. I don't exactly. Yeah. Um, so that that all that has nothing to do with the uh, instructor uh, Lagrev Nok Nokfep, who is. Superb. Like yeah. Neil Neil is an amazing teacher. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there are several people, I mean, like a good percentage of the graduates of hoon school that have never programmed before. So that's crazy. If anyone's listening to this, yeah, I mean it's which is crazy, and it's interesting. It's like if you do hoon, you kind of understand it's like, oh, you could just go from like literally nothing to being a pretty proficient hooner. Mm-hmm. And and Neil's really good at that kind of stuff because he he has taught computer science like in general before so he can kind of like give you the from zero type thing well also so that, like that's now so- might be the time for you
0: <laughs> for me no um learn to code i think the ship has sailed um <laughs> if but- this podcasting thing doesn't work out <laughs> yeah um, we're, we're on the cutting edge here um <laughs> so that's really interesting because it kind of indicates that obviously these aren't people that are just looking to do Development and programming, like just generally, they're here for orbit
1: Yeah, only yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, which I think is you know, that's
0: kind of wild. I mean, that's
1: kind of that, that. It is wild, and I think it's how it should go, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, what's the option, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to learn how to program so I can make some money. It's like that's cheesy. It's <laughs> that's a corny thing to do. cheesy, right? And it's just like everybody who's, I mean, I, I, at least in my experience, everyone who ends up being a decent programmer has like an approach to it that's more than simply utilitarian you know mm-hmm. they like doing it they like doing it they like working with the people that they work with the urban community is very like being an urban developer i will go on record saying this is more fun than being any kind of developer right mm-hmm. because like just the community the vibes the possibility all this stuff it's like you're not going to find that in like the Ruby community that's, you know, going through a forum to try to fix healthcare.gov. It's like, that's not what we're doing. Right. And so I think a lot of people are attracted to that, you know, and I think that it's it's cool that the foundation has been able to train those people up. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about our metrics around that in a little bit, because they're, they're pretty impressive actually.
0: Well, this and is, then, I, I just want to say, you know, like I, this is my first exposure, um, really to like the tech industry. I like came from completely different background and my experience working with engineers obviously varied because I've worked with many of them, you know, like some in close contact, some not at all, but it's, it's actually been mind blowing to me how important community is to them. Um, like kind of across the board, like it's, you know, like this is nothing like the sort of, um, like, generic sort of pop culture version of what people think an engineer is or how they mm-hmm. would work like it's just it's just completely different I know I think like yeah. it would be I, I can't imagine like going and working um in a different sort of world with different type of engineers like I think it would be shocking because I'm used to this now like I'm yeah. used to like people that like really care about the community and are extremely engaged in the community and they do it because they like it. And there are certain like really nuanced things they love to do and some things that they refuse to do. And um,
1: yeah, (laughs) there's, (laughs) there are some complications, but I mean, I 100% agree. It's like, I was telling someone the other day, it's like when I, I mean, so when I got onto Urbit, there were like 10 people on Mm -hmm. Urbit. Mm -hmm. It just, which is, and we all worked on Urbit and it's never really changed from that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like one of those, that's like the thing that, I think a lot of people look forward to a day when there's people that just use orbit and they don't care about orbit. Right. Mm-hmm. They just get the benefit, but still, and I think it, we do benefit from, it's like everyone is like into it. Right. And so mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of freeloaders fly a better term. Yeah. So there, there are, there are benefits. And then, um, the other school that's, this is a new one actually. So Hoon school has been going for a long time. Um, I, I mean at this point pr- for a pretty decent amount of time. Uh and we have a new one called App Workshop Live. Um so that is a school that focuses on you know so who is is just a programming language, right? But but building a full app that goes from like, you know, thinking of the application to building a front end, getting it to users, all that stuff. That is a that is a little bit more of an involved thing. Um And so uh, App Workshop Live kind of takes you through that full life cycle. So it's for people that have already gone through Hoon School Live. Um, And that is a new one. So uh, I don't think I said the date. So um, Hoon School Live starts on the 28th. So soon. It's the, what is it? The 22nd today. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So starts on March 28th. And then um, App Workshop Live, a little urban. uh,
0: Sorry about that. Urban (laughs)
1: flavors. (laughs) so the hurricane police showed up um uh the app workshop loves live starts on april 14th
0: is there like a cap um, to the number of people that comply or do you know
1: generally i don't think so but don't hold me to that um signups are ongoing for both of these um and i'll put the links in the show notes but i know that we usually get up a i think in the mid 100 like 150 something um yeah, it's not, it's, this is, this is real. This is, this is not a drill I'm sh- I'm um, and shocked. a decent, <laughs> <yeah>, you shook. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's exciting stuff. And I think everyone who's listening to this should definitely check it out. Um, that kind of leads into to point number three, which is um, the foundation, uh, specifically the, um, the executive director, uh, Wilruff Podlex, uh, have, has recently been doing a lot of work on just metrics in general because um, one of the good and bad things about Urbit is like you actually have no idea who's using it or if they're right. using it, right? Um, and so, yeah, so so he just put up a whole bunch of user metrics on network.urbit.org oh, cool. that I think everyone should take a look at. But what's cool is that the methodology um, that he used, it, it shows um, – how many people are retained and how many people are churning. So how many people leave and how many people like, uh, there's like, I think at least retained churned and then like reactivated. So people who come back after being gone for, I forget how long it was like a month or something. Um, and it's really cool to see, right? Because I think it's one of those things where, I mean, you've used orbit, uh, there's lots of, um, Sometimes it's a little bit of an unpredictable system. <laughs> and so it's like one of those things where you, you, you want to make sure people aren't just like coming and then something goes wrong and they bounce. Of course,
0: yeah.
1: Um, so it's been really cool to watch that. And so like, you know, the, the graph, I'm happy to report the graph is the correct shape. Which means it is going up, nice. I guess, into the right. To the right?
0: Yes. That's that's right. Um, yes.
1: You want it yeah, to, yeah. Which right. is good. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, up, up into the right. And that includes all the retained people. And so there's uh, a lot cool. of stuff going into that. You know? I'm excited so, I mean, to I, look at that. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. I mean, and it's worth looking at because, you know, there's colors. You can click some stuff. And, um, see well, what's I'm happened. looking forward so to checking that out. That's
0: like that. good for him getting that pulled
1: together. That's 100%. 100%. Because I think he got to, Tell, you know, you got to let people know what's happening. that's, I mean, mm-hmm. that's been a problem since day one, right? Like, how do you surface what's going on? Because Erbit is like this little parallel universe, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you do that? Um, I mean, like you do it just by lurking on various groups, right? And just. correct, uh, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a master, master lurker.
0: I'm actually always there. You are. <laughs> people don't think I am, but I definitely am.
1: Just shaking your head. I'm just just like, like, "Mm, "Mm mm. mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm." (laughs) I would not mm -mm. (laughs) expect nothing less. (laughs) Um, You, she is in the dad's group though. So if anyone joins dad internet,
0: yeah, that's the best parent
1: group. It is the best parent group. I'm sorry, mom internet that internet is and by the the way i
0: i think that um i earned my position in the dad's group you did yeah you did
1: you did you you have the most i mean maybe the oldest child in the group so you're you know the most
0: he he just turned 18 so yeah wow
1: wow yeah for context listen noble listener (laughs) we are exactly the same age we were born on the same day uh of the same year Of the same year, like literally the same day. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, my son is five. So she's, so Coco has a lot more experience uh, than I do. So keep that in mind, gentle listener, when I give you any (laughs) life advice. (laughs) I have no idea what I'm talking
0: about. I mean, Um, yeah. It's a miracle (laughs) that we've gotten as far as we have, truly. It's
1: it's true. It really is a a marvel. Um, (laughs) So the the fourth point I wanted to bring up is like, we, okay, so. The Kelvin versioning system. Rosalyt Tanner, do you know what that is?
0: Um, not really.
1: Okay. <laughs> I like that you were going to, you're about to mix I was going to
0: try to say like, oh yeah, like I understand like the broads, but no.
1: Okay. Oh, let me just, all right. Um, so Urbit, one of the interesting things about Urbit is we, we version backwards. So we go down instead of going up. So I can't look now, but I like, chrome on your computer is version like literally 35 i don't i don't know how many 35.7.2 point whatever so we go down so right now we are on um various parts of the system have various versions but we go down and the the meaning of this podcast title zero k is that's the goal is because when once things hit zero it's over it's done Done donezo um and so, Urbit, one of the many reasons Urbit is unique because we're trying to finish this thing. You know, we're trying mm-hmm. to just like be done. Um, I have other things to do. I have a whole yeah. second career as a, I don't know, rancher. I don't know what I'm going to do.
0: I think you should.
1: <laughs> Close up magician. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, but whatever. I'll do don't that like later. I like that one. <laughs> Wait, what would yours be, actually? Now that
0: I mean, honestly, I think like I did, you know, um, farm nature. Experience for many years, and now I'm doing like urban, and I
1: Na- nature farm. I, I want to go back, so okay. So I think it would just so lay about.
0: No, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but mostly like I want to. I want to get chickens again. I'd like to have goats again. That would be my second slash third career.
1: No, uh, so go- goat herd. Goat that's herd. Good. That's right. I think that's a good one. Um Anyway, I did that. That was my tangent. Um, so, so, so the versioning system goes down. So, coming up this week, in a matter of days, um, uh, four hundred one, or sorry, sorry, four hundred four Kelvin, 414 is going to be released, um, and that's decrementing the Kelvin version another uh, another Kelvin. And so, when we decrement a Kelvin, that means that um, it's usually when there is a major update. So, in this case, uh, what's coming down the pipe is. An 8-gig loom. I, I can tell by your silence that you're excited. What is a loom? What is a loom? A loom... It, so, Urbit... Um, when an Urbit chip starts, it only has so much memory that it can mm-hmm. that it can work with. And it does that because it's like... It, there's lots of reasons. But it, it only has a limited amount of memory. 2 gigs is not that much memory, right? As we could probably all... There, there are... I'm sure there are instagram stories that are bigger than two gigs right it's like one of those things where it's like this it's an absurdly low amount of memory and mostly what Urbit does is like doesn't take that much memory right because like little strings of texts and numbers and shit it just doesn't take any memory but mm-hmm. so the the making the loom bigger has been a long-standing thing because it's actually difficult to do and takes a lot of deep work um and so it going to eight gigs is is quite a bit. So it was at two, and now it's going to go to eight. And what that means is you can basically put more stuff, <laughs> more junk in your. And orbit.
0: that's going to be like so standard because I I do know like some people, uh, you know, like you said, not everyone runs out of space, but some people do, and it becomes like really problematic for their ships. Everything gets yeah, laggy yeah. and buggy and stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be everybody. Um, so that's going it's- out very soon uh barter simpson which is one of the best pat b's out there right now yeah really good (laughs) um who's an engineer at the foundation uh did all this work and so it's it's been really good stuff and it's i think it's his big first big feature to ship to the network so that's that's pretty cool it's a big one um yeah it's a good one so so i mean a lot of people have dealt with this limitation on Mm -hmm. urbit without knowing it right when you have to like um set up an S3 bucket to mm-hmm. hold files or something like that. That's usually because you don't want to put those big files in your Urbit because it takes up all the space. So we're moving in the direction of that being less of a concern, which is really like, you know, it's a pretty much a, people like to put big ass files in their computers. I think that's yeah. been proven. That's
2: what we um,
1: do. It's is what people like to do. People don't like to throw shit away, right? So it's like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Um, so this is, um, so this is like, I don't think this is the full Shrek trilogy that you could put in here, but this is, I think, at least one Shrek. So when we talk about like big, big files, the internal joke, Roslet is we say, you know, how many Shreks? A Shrek is like a unit of uh, of size. So this mm-hmm. is like a two Shrek limit, maybe. Please clap.
0: <laughs> I'm clapping. <laughs>
1: <laughs> clapping for you. Um yeah, so that, that release is coming out in the next few days. I will put okay, the release cool. notes. There's a few other little things in there as well. Um, I'll put the release notes in the show notes. And uh, you can read those at your leisure. Um, so next up, we have an interview uh, that I did in El Salvador with one Hadzad Walrus, who is one of upbar's top guys. So Ukbar, if you guys mm-hmm. don't know, um, i got another company building on Urbit that's building a ZK roll-up. Um, a native ZK roll-up to Urbit, which is a lot of letters that are very exciting, but they're doing some really cool stuff. Um, And they're also just contributing a lot of great stuff to the network. So uh, check out Ukbar. We're going to discuss in this interview, we're going to discuss a lot of the work he's doing on databases and persistence, trying to make it so that it's easier to iterate on apps and hopefully make things that are more useful for people quicker. Um, So that's all we've got for today, Roslet. Thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for um, having me.
0: I'm excited to hear your interview. Looking forward oh, to checking yeah. out those metrics. It's Talk good. to you next week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. See ya. Bye. How, you know, bring me up to speed. Like how, how okay. did you from how did you like hear the the name Urbit? You know, give me the like, little all bit right, of the backstory. Right, like, full first history. time you heard
2: Urbit to hear. Full there. history. All right. Well, I was. Looking at Hacker News, I was very Are you joking right now? No, okay. I'm not joking at all. <laughs> okay, right I know. Now. I was like on Hacker News like probably like freshman year of college. Saw something like twenty seventeen, like people posted Erbit stuff, people were trying to dunk on it in the comments. And already at that point that was a signal of, Oh, this could be pretty interesting. Yeah. But I think the first time I heard the name I brushed over it and went to the next article. Yeah. And then Again, in 2020, when, like, OS1, the first version of Landscape, was released, I saw it again, probably Hacker News again, and at that point, I had gotten really into, like, functional programming, so I was, like, learning a lot about, like, Haskell, and I just, I was still in college, still studying CS, and I thought, like, a functional operating system was just, like, the coolest idea ever. Yeah. So then I got into, like, the docs, and I went to erbit.org, and at the time, like, it was very, very esoteric. So like <laughs> mid 2020, I was also like sitting in my house all day. I had nothing else to do. Right? Was
1: it, wait, was this one the, the, the home screen was just a picture,
2: a video of the ocean? Yes. Okay. I love that <laughs> image. I just talked to Drew about this. It's a beautiful <laughs> it image. Really it like, really? And that kind of hooked me because I was looking for meaning, you yeah. know? I was gearing up to like basically get a fang job. Yeah. And I was looking for something better. Because yeah. the idea of going into that world really depressed me. Yeah. So Urbit jumped out as like, this is just way, way better. Yeah.
1: And it's not, not that. Yeah. For sure.
2: Yeah. So it was like, so you were
1: probably looking at, you weren't thinking like startup eat no, stuff. You were thinking no. more just like, let's just go get the. No.
2: And I was, I really liked the fact that everybody, including like just the docs, seemed to be like not. Catering to the lowest common denominator. Because I had looked, I had learned other programming languages. I had recently done the Rust book. Mm -hmm. So I had learned Rust uh, to the beginner degree. And everything was made with the intention of like sort of like dumbing things down and saying anyone can do it. And at that point in my like programming journey, I was just recently coming to a strong opinion that like, no. Not anybody can do this, yeah, yeah. and in fact, a world where anybody can do this means like the quality of the programs is probably going to be pretty bad, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's no, you know, no shame to anyone, but it's like it's a pretty, it's a pretty like weird and and like life consuming thing, yeah. like to be like really into like programming, especially like systems programming, you yeah, know? Yeah. So
1: I mean, so so the there's a certain way at which making things. It becomes. I find it kind of insulting if things are like almost yeah. too like, and it's yeah. also just very rarely possible actually, right? right? Because it's just right. like not everyone really wants yeah. to.
2: So I was disappointed with like the nature of my college coursework that was like that, and so to see urban is this thing where like people weren't holding your hand, and I just had to like figure it out for myself. Like that was really cool. So and then I actually got on the network. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I I got a planet. I started like joining groups. I I became friends with, you know, Dautchess was one of the first guys that I okay, like cool. met on Urbit. Yeah. We started talking Dotch is now a coworker at Ukbar. Yeah, yeah. Our paths have like, you know, crossed and stayed together. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty tight. It's pretty cool. That's that's pretty really cool. it's like <laughs> tight, <laughs>
1: that's cool. Tight both tight and cool. Yeah. It's funny I yeah, I say this a lot, but it's just like, you know, when I got into this, right? It was also very esoteric and whatever. But it, like the idea of someone going just from college, both you and Datchez just went from college into working full-time on Urbit, which is like yeah. an inconceivable thing when I was getting into it, you Yeah. Know? So it's just like, it's just so heartening to see that, right? And yeah. it's like, that's what you want the future to be like. It's like, people yeah. are like, you know, Fangu. It's like, it's like yeah. you can
2: go work at all the other places or you can go work for right. Urbit.
1: Uh, and that's yeah. like, you
2: know, that's really nice to see, I think. I mean, I'm so happy. Like, I'm, I am feel like I have my dream job right now, yeah. you know, because yeah. I was also into crypto. I was, like, very into Bitcoin and then Ethereum and then, like, you know, probably if I didn't find Urbit and start working on Urbit, I would have gone the Solidity smart contract dev yeah. route. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm thankful I'm, I'm into Erbit because, like, the functional part of the programming, like, I, I've always... You know that that to me, it, I just it's it works really well. Yeah. Um, so I, now that I get to like bring that to smart contracts via yeah. like OOKBAR, like that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, I'm very happy. That's um, great. Yeah. I
1: mean, why well, I, I think all of us, you know, who get to work on this full time, it's like it is a huge blessing. It's yeah. like yeah, it, <laughs> there are a lot of worse things you could do, right? So we, we're definitely definitely lucky in that regard.
2: Yeah. And the second or third guy I, like, really met was, like, Tim Luck. Yeah. Right? So then he was my. Who's now the head of Akbar. Yeah. But he was my mentor. I got a grant Mm. to do. Yeah. And I probably, like, talked to you and Tim. And then I did start on, like, a poker grant. And that's when I actually really learned, like, Hoon and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it was very challenging and very engaging. That was, like, over the summer. And that was really fun. And then after that, yeah, started, like, working full-time, basically.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so, so the main thing that we're, we, that you're working on right now, right, is kind of like adding some more capability to how Urbit deals with, Orbit applications deal with data basically. Right? Yeah. So, so can you kind of run people through how an Urbit application deals with data right now?
2: Like what's the sure. default way of doing it? Yeah. Yeah. So I've like spent all my time in user space. I don't really know much about core development. I'm learning this week, but yeah, like so Okay, actually, just yeah. explain that distinction also. Right, okay, so yeah, there's, there's the Urbit OS, there's the kernel, um, and core development, like, there's a team, it's got a long-running history, and big things are changing right now, which is really awesome, and like, but I have not spent much time in that at all, and I want to at some point, it's very cool. So I've spent all my time in building apps on top of the OS, yeah. so that's like a Gaul app, right? Yeah. Gaul is like the user space app paradigm for Urbit. Um, And Gaul apps are basically, yeah, sort of um, singular applications that have a state and they accept, like, pokes, they make and subscribe to paths, and it's a way to build anything you want on top of Urbit, so, you know, social apps, you know, our crypto wallet, stuff like this. Like all of these are gall apps. Yeah. Anything that a user would yeah.
1: probably click on. Right. As yeah. opposed to the, the underlying stuff, which they hopefully don't have to. Exactly. See. And so, so like the data in a gall app, right. So it's like that, that is yeah. referred to as a state machine, right? So yes. it's like you have some state, that could be like a list of numbers, like a list of your phone contacts. Right. And so you poke it with some action yeah. and it updates to include the new phone number, for example. Yeah. Like, so, so, so all yeah, so
2: app states are per- persistent and developer defined, right? Okay. So, you have like some data structure that you write. And this is like the first thing you do when you start writing a new application. You're like, That's a to do app. What's, yeah, <laughs> what's the state of this app look like? What actually gets saved in like the Urbit like memory, right? Um, and so, this is really fun cause it basically, if you write this well, your whole app flows out of it, yeah. right, but the state of a gall app um yeah, um, yeah, I guess I can just talk about like yeah the the i it's easiest to talk about the changes and yeah. The options yeah, yeah, yeah so absolutely. so gall app states like um like basically like it can be anything you want right now, so oftentimes uh you have to like. If you want to understand a Gall app, you have to understand what it's storing in state. And that can be bespoke because every developer does it their own way and they define their own thing. And then the other thing is like if a Gall app like gets nuked, which is the official terminology, right? If your app gets nuked, you lose your state and then you have to restart and have a fresh state to begin making transitions on the state machine that is the app. Um, So that has, you know... That can be a pain point, you know, for users. Um, You'll note, like, if you uninstall an app right now on Urbit, you don't nuke the app. You just suspend it. Mm -hmm. So if you reinstall it again, you basically, like, rehydrate that original state (laughs) and... What if that's super stale? Then you have all these other things. So a lot of people have discussed the concept of like a stateless agent, okay. which would be like a gall app that doesn't really hold state and just is like sort of a, an interface, okay. and the state gets stored somewhere else. Okay. Which, by the way, is also just a gall app, right? Yeah. yeah. So. And so that like- and
1: that's sort of more similar to how apps on other yeah, environments are. Yeah. So how does it... Like, if you were to write a to-do app yeah. just using the normal stuff right. that comes on macOS, like, how would you do it? Just give it kind of a, yeah. a comparison, basically. Yeah,
2: so you would basically, yeah, you'd use, like, something like the file system, right? Okay. And, like, that would be your, like, state, right? And the to-do app itself, every time you closed it, it wouldn't save anything, really, because, like, you know, more or less, like, the app itself is stateless. It may... And then I can get into some other things. I have a paradigm of state. But, um, like... Yeah, a to-do app on a on a like a Mac OS, like yeah, you'd close it, it would wipe everything, right? You'd open it back up, it would like look to the file system to see the the to-do apps, the to-do lists you had stored. So like the yeah. state of the app could be as simple
1: as just a file literally just a file yeah, on your Yeah, Exactly, your machine, exactly. Right? And so or a and folder, and yeah. A, or a folder. So like in Urbit, the the application key application developer right. has to write that all themselves every time. Exactly. Which is which is like a lot of
2: states yeah. are very similar or yeah. the same
1: stuff, right? So there's a lot of duplication Yeah, of so
2: like a ToDo app on Urbit, you'd start by saying like, okay, what's the state of this app that's going to be persistent? Okay, maybe it's a mapping of like an ID to a note. And then a note is like a data type that I design that has like a title, a timestamp, and then a contents, you know, and then maybe links to other notes apps. Like, so you could do really cool stuff in that regard. But... um, but yeah, now it lives inside your app and now like if another app wants to compose on that and like they want to take the notes that you made in this app and then like maybe I don't know share them with other people, turn it into a collaborative document or something. Your app has to support that by having like a path at which this app can scry in, grab this note, and then maybe an API to make edits, yeah. save changes within this app's state. Yeah. So, one option well, let me talk about... So I I view there to be like three main types of state that live in an app. So just, just a second. Can you kind of like walk
1: back and be like, when you say composability, yeah. just give a sort of like just toy example of what you mean by... I mean, I think you kind of did a little bit, but just... Because sure. people say that a lot about Urbit, like this is yeah. going to allow composable apps. So like just be really kind of like ELI-5 yeah. about this. What does that mean?
2: Composability is definitely a word you have to define because <laughs> yeah. otherwise it gets away from you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I view it as just... And I always, these days, I always put the word permissionless in front of it. Okay, just because... That's my full buzzword. Because composability (laughs) means that other people can build their app on top of your app. Yeah. Like, again, the Notes app. You're holding a note in its state. This app wants to edit that note, share it with other people, remix it, whatever. Like, that's... Basically, a Lego that sits on top, and those two things have a tight coupling, yeah. and that's an interface. Yeah. And that's in the traditional like computer world, that's like an API. Yeah. So. Twitter has like an API, right? And other people want to compose on it and they have to pay Twitter a bunch of money now. That's a good (laughs) example, yeah. Um, So Twitter, I would say, is not really composable. It's definitely not permissionlessly composable. So that's why I always put permissionless in front because you can get composability but in a not very useful way. Yeah. Yeah. So with Urbit, I want to make as many apps as possible permissionlessly composable where, yes, you can build on top like a Lego brick slotting in and you don't even have to like communicate or negotiate with the original apps developer yes, yes. because the stuff is just sitting there and, and, and i
1: mean fair it's on your ship that's like yes. the whole paradigm is that all that app, all that application data yeah.
2: is yours is in
1: your yeah. instance and so you should be able to do with it whatever you please and not have to have a negotiation yeah.
2: with these different absolutely developers. so this gets into the three kinds of states yes. that i think about so one is like real like deep state <laughs> <laughs> this is good. All right. that's like in a note app that's the actual contents of the note okay. then you have configuration state yeah. this is like settings like maybe you want to use the app in dark mode or light mode yeah. that's a configurational state it's a toggle right okay. and then there's ephemeral state maybe you have like a pending action that's mm-hmm. like waiting to be processed and it only lives in like the actual app state for like a second or two as it's yeah. like pending yeah and then it goes away Interesting. So configuration state and ephemeral state are always going to live in the gall app because they're basically operational, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's okay if you nuke that. Yeah. yeah. Because ephemeral state is just going to be empty anyway if you're not using the app actively. So go ahead and nuke that. And then config state, like, okay, you lose your uh, preference for light mode or dark mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we can live with that, right? That's the kind of stuff that you would lose, like in like a you know in the traditional app where it's yeah. like, okay unless it saves it to the file system. So yeah, the that's interesting, though, do. because
1: like, that's, like, it's almost like you define it based on the uh, cost of losing it yes. a little bit, right? It's yes. It's like losing, losing the deep state, as we all know, would be a disaster. Right? Yes. So, <laughs> but but um, the other stuff, if it were to go away, it's like to the user, it's like a, they would maybe note yeah. it a little bit, but it's really... it's And you can yeah. you can get it back out, or it can, you can reinstitute it, and it wouldn't be a problem. It's
2: also relevant for composability, because... The configuration and ephemeral states are not really relevant to composability. To another app using that same Exactly. Data. It's the deep state that you want to be permissionlessly accessible. Okay. That's so nice. this gets into like how do we make that happen? Yeah. So right? how do we have shared yeah. deep state? Yeah. Kind of the, the so I want it. to take that that kind of state like out of the Gall app and put it into like a data store and this gets into, like, this recent project, um, this relational database. Does it have
1: a, a, a yeah. sexy
2: uh, code yeah, name? Yeah, I call it Nectar. Okay, Nectar, Nectar. good. Nectar. Yeah. Going
1: against the four-letter, uh, <laughs> being a contrarian among contrarians, I like that. Well, all the good four-letter names have been used. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good. You're kind of grasping now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. So, so Nectar is this new project to build, basically, a data store that would... That would um, be able to be used by multiple
2: agents, yeah. is that correct? It, and this has been done before, too. I mean, Graph Store was like this. Okay, so explain what Graph Store is. Like, Graph right? Store um, was a back-end built by uh, TacRite Socrate, mm. and it's basically like a place to store um, linked nested, uh, you know, content, right? Text mostly. So you had like a fairly generic, but opinionated like nesting structure for posts messages Ooh. things of this nature that's what it was built for um and this was the back end for the uh groups one right yeah. this is the original back end and um you know graph store uh embodied this because it had an agent and it had an api so you were adding nodes to your personal text graph you were removing nodes and it was accessible from other apps yeah. and you did see people build stuff on top of this yeah. you know um so, GraphStore is still in the Erbit like core, like it's installed by default. Um, but um, yeah, so I was thinking that just for full generality, I wanted to make a just relational database. Okay. And this is like one of these like great innovations of like Earth computer science. <laughs> um, I, I gotta just—it's yeah. important that
1: everyone understand, right? That sort mm-hmm. of like you know, Erbit. Um, uh, part of the culture is, of course, this contrarianness, which makes you too often kind of like blind to things that were good yeah, from the old yeah. world. Where it's like some things actually were just, they just worked, you know? Yeah. So it's like, so relational databases are one of those things where it's I like. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you, you give me a, an apologia for yeah. uh,
2: the relational database. Absolutely. So I think it's basically as close as you can get to like sort of like a mathematical truth in data representation. Because, like, you have this fundamental concept of, like, tabular data. Okay. Like, thing, Like, there's a concept of, like, a piece of data that has multiple, like, things within it. Mm-hmm. And those things, like, you're going to hold many of them. Yeah. That's, like, sort of, like, very straightforward. It's almost, um, it's intuitive. Yeah. Um, and we find ourselves, like, constantly, like, replicating these things. I mean basically a map is is like this yeah and you know one thing i've heard is like you know like people in the modern era and this is like on earth as well like a lot of apps nowadays like basically like also like want to get away from like the relational model and move into like a key value store model and one of the big reasons for that is like performance actually Mm -hmm. because like my SQL databases are, like, like, they get, like, get criticized for, like, performance versus, like, just, like, a key value store, like, a data lake, they're calling yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. unstructured data because, um, but that's, that is specifically because Earth apps are trying to scale to millions or billions of users. Yeah, yeah. And you can't put a billion, like, items in a table without sort of, like, getting this really difficult optimization problem or, like, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's the, the, the
1: fundamental distinction yeah. we have to remember is right. like everything that we're talking about would be basically for one user. Exactly. Right? As opposed to like all of the tweets from everyone right. from all time. Right. Just your tweets, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's actually makes a lot of things. Um, it just changes the constraints, right? So there's certain things that would seem
2: completely insane to do for billions of users, but for one user,
1: it's yes. tractable, right? I right.
2: still have to correct myself when I'm writing an app and I'm thinking about an operation and I think, oh, this operation needs to be fast because it's going to happen a lot of times. And I think, okay, I maybe need to make some trade-offs or, you know, compromises to make that fast. And it turns out that it doesn't have to be fast because, yeah, it's going to happen a lot of times. But from one person, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how many, yeah.
1: how many chat messages can one person exactly, send? Exactly, you know, exactly. Like it's very actually you could not send that one
2: many. chat message a second for the rest of your life and still be <laughs> like in a performant box. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah, you have to unlearn that stuff. I, it's yeah.
1: funny. I was talking to to Daches about this. It's like so many of our assumptions around process and architecture come from these centralized systems yeah you know so you're used to thinking about well i'm gonna have a zillion users or yeah. how am I? well but you could still have a zillion users but they would be each on their own orbit yeah so the performance profile looks totally different
2: exactly yeah so sure. i mean
1: so 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 basically nectar is an erbit specific yeah.
2: relational database for this particular yeah. Yeah, use profile. So yeah. what, how
1: is it being used right now? I mean, I think you're using so, it in a
2: product. Yeah, right yeah. So the first thing I did was like sketch this out, get some basic queries working and doing some performance testing. And like, just like with a normal SQL table, like as long as you do a, a intelligent schema, like you index on the right keys and you cluster the keys, um, performance is fantastic. You can query a million records in like, you know microseconds yeah because map operations are jetted you're using a smart like data representation it works um so yeah i made that i basically haven't touched it since like it's very much a just like mvp proof of concept type thing um i also actually i want to like basically not make it too big because i do i buy into the idea that like in order for people to wanna to build on top of your stuff, it has to be like credibly sort of static. Yeah. Like you can't yeah. push breaking changes. Adding all the stuff right. all the time, yeah. So but then the first thing I wanted to do was make a proof of concept to show how the database works. So I, I made a chat app. Yep. I mean, I, I, do, I did it. I admit, yeah. I admit, chat app. <laughs> it's kind of like a rite of passage. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I actually do think every urban developer should write no, a chat absolutely,
1: app. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's great. So you've got chat out. So Akbar has their own chat app yeah. called Pongo. Yeah. Um, it's, but I mean, it is, it has different affordances than, yeah. than the other ones. Yeah. It's like a lot more mobile friendly.
2: Yeah. It's a testing ground for like database backend, mobile only, or like mobile first. And then, um. One other thing that we test with it. Oh, yeah. Just like integrations with other like crypto stuff. Yeah. It's so, like sending money through the app, like sending invites to poker tables. Because that's that like that the main of business of Akbar is this yeah. L2 stuff. So I being, mean, we want to show people like building on top, like look how easy it is to just like spin up something yeah. that like you don't have to do DevOps for and it can be connected to your chain stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually
1: have an architectural yeah. question that just occurred to me, which is. That, you know, most relational databases, you have to write an index for your use case, right? So it's like if, I, if I'm if i always going to look up a certain kind of query, I might write an index to kind of like, an index is like a, a phone book. It's like you're just sort of like, okay, this is how I'm going to look things up. Mm-hmm. And that oftentimes is is per use case, at least yeah. in the sort of like old world. And so it would seem like, you know, if you had a whole bunch of apps using the same database, they might, want, do would they each need to write their own index or is that, so the way I see that is.
2: is like basically the app that makes the table. So like tables are like sort of permissioned by apps. Okay. And like one app like controls the table. Okay. And then other apps can always read from it. Okay. But like they might not be able to write to it. And if they want to just read from it permissionlessly, they should make their own index and like come up with their own queries. Got it but if they want to just like use a set of supported queries that were designed by the original table producer yeah they can just scry that app yeah. which is sort of the traditional way to Okay, compose yeah, that makes apps. sense. Okay, yeah. okay.
1: That's really that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So so you you I mean you don't get away from the old way of doing things which is just asking the app about right. right? So you can ask either the database or the app yeah for that stuff. Yeah. So I mean so okay, from your point of view, I mean and I've I've heard this. I want to get clear on it like there What do you think the benefit would be to um, having this kind of stuff? Like, do you think, what would it change about the development process? Besides it just being, like, easier, like, how do you think it would change this kind of stuff?
2: Well, just, I mean, to start, it's just another option, right? It just gives, like, optionality. So, a developer coming into Urbit that wants to build a product, like, I mean, this is sort of like a classic measure of like how useful an ecosystem is. Like anything you're looking for, if you're trying to build a app in Python, has been made. Yeah. And you can import that package and you can just use it. Yeah. So and there's like five different options for every yeah, possible yeah. there's thing. almost too many. Almost yeah, too many. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like just even even just populating that in Hoon in yeah. in Urbit is a good. Yeah. But then second of all, it gives you like basically like a toolkit for like product development where it's like if you are designing a new social app often oftentimes yeah you'll want like a relational database right or like a really good key value store and and these can just be like things that are already built that you can use without having to like re-implement it yourself there's a lot of that i mean there's a lot of like reinventing the wheel when you write a gall app because we don't have these things fully fleshed out. Specifically, of course, I'm looking at people who like, want to build like, you know, the ultimate like, Urbit plus Ukbar thing where like, they've got some sort of like protocol on-chain that they're running, and then they have off-chain things that they're trying to like, get users to be able to do, so like, say, like... I
1: mean, poker, ex- like the, poker is the is the archetypal
2: example, right, yeah. So explain how the Ukbar poker actually works, just so people know for the... Yeah, yeah. So you have an escrow contract sitting on-chain. Players buy into an escrow contract. That escrow contract has a host assigned to it. who's basically the custodian in charge of assigning the winner the funds. They simultaneously, to initialize in the escrow contract, set up a table on that host. Players are joining, and this is all off-chain. And then once the game is ready to go, they click start and they play a full poker game run by this host provider. Clearly off-chain. Off-chain, yeah, yeah, off-chain. And then at the end of the game, the host looks at the winner and awards them the tokens. Yeah, so. I mean this is actually such like an archetypal example yeah. of like the tight coupling you can have
1: between chain and off chain. Yes. Right. Yes.
2: And and the host provider model I think is gonna see a lot of use because I mean urban identities give you a really strong like thing that you can assign reputation to. But then even more importantly, like um you can they you can have them like stake something and yeah. eventually uh, especially with um, like zk verification, you can basically have them post proofs of their behavior. Yeah. Um, but even before that, you can you can assign reputation. Yeah. Um,
1: so you think that the, that the having some sort of just out of the box data yeah. persistence stuff would help? I mean, it would be like okay, if I can, I have the chain stuff and I have the data persistence. Yeah. Then what you're messing around, what you're iterating on, is
2: I mean the basically the business yeah, logic yeah. Of, of what which is the ideal which is know? what you need to be yeah. iterating that's what app. lets you build like a fully featured app in a weekend yeah you yeah. know it's just having which the, really the, the,
1: the the main benefit of urbit right yes. is that
2: you should just be able to just crank
1: things out yes. and get them to people and have them try it out right
2: absolutely yeah no it's i mean i'm very excited it feels like like that stuff is really happening oh a yeah lot absolutely now. Yeah, absolutely um the pace of development it's like I mean, because I mean that that is something that we've seen, right? Is that
1: like it just takes a long time to actually iterate on this stuff, and like that, and and a lot of that is the data having to rewrite the data persistence and migrate it and stuff.
2: And yeah, so this is like basically like the final conclusion to this thesis, which is that like we're gonna have this sort of like diaspora of app development that tries out all these different paradigms. There's gonna be a landscape where like. Uh, winners win, everybody, like, a rising tide raises all boats because we're, like, onboarding new users for specific apps. They find other apps, and people will be permissionlessly just building on top, right? Yeah. It'll be a shantytown, yeah. you know? It'll be <laughs> exactly. a favela exactly. of exactly. urban apps. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, yeah, I think we'll, we'll discover... Walkable mixed-use development. <laughs> yeah, and we'll discover, like, the best patterns this week. Exactly,
1: way. exactly. And I think it's, like, also... And I think I've maybe I've said this to you before. It's like these questions about what people like UX is like, you can't, you got to just try it, you know, yeah. you got to
2: just get it to the people. You do. You do. Because like user space development is heavily influenced by user feedback. Yeah. And so it has to be very fluid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think Nectar's is going to help us do that. I mean, I think it already is helping us do that. Thank you. I hope Absolutely.
1: so. Absolutely. I'm really, really impressed by what you've done so far. Thanks. Well, that's all my questions, man. Great. It was great talking to you. Thank you very much. You too. So if anybody wants to know any more about your work, about Ukbar's work, like where, where can they find you?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have a group, um, Ukbar Event Horizon. Um, I'll put the full yeah, path in those. there's channels. links to that. And then Ukbar.network. I'm Hadzad Walrus. I host most of my apps, including Nectar, on Back Rice. Okay. Um, that's my sort of like star for publishing apps. Um, so yeah, check it out. My GitHub is, uh, not Hodzod Walrus. I I mostly, my professional like account is, um, (laughs) Dr. Former DR HEP FRMR. And I host all the repos there. And like, I'm totally open to like PRs for like Nectar and stuff like that. I also have like a social graph experiment thing going on there and yeah
1: absolutely well that's great man and i'm and it's it's good to like yeah if there's some relational database genius is is out there who like wants to wants to jump in and tell us what we're doing wrong there is one
2: here there we go yeah they're popping out i've been talking to (laughs) him
1: that's great all right well thanks a lot man thank you you too boom that's a wrap what'd you think it's awesome good right it's good just to bs and
2: yeah